0: Welcome to Candid Christian Conversations, a show that challenges you to dive deep into the Word of God in order to discern today's most challenging subjects.
1: This time on Candid Christian Conversations, Should Christians Own Guns? Hi, I'm Hank, and I am joined by my good friend Raul. This is the first time we're chatting online. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's insane. We've known each other for years. Your podcast,
0: my podcast, texting back and forth, PMs, everything else. You're
1: right. This is really the first time we've actually talked live. And I love it. We have so much in common. We have pretty similar views as people are going to find out coming up probably. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I am so glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Well, let's get into it. Can we agree that the modern day sword is technically the gun? Well, yeah,
0: they didn't have gunpowder 2,000 years ago, so you're you're not going to get an argument from me on that, though. I do have three or four swords around the corner there.
1: And I'd love to see them sometime, too. (laughs) (laughs) If we take the context of scripture that mentions swords, it is easy enough to extrapolate that now we'd be talking about guns in our time frame.
0: Right. You're talking about weapons, basically. And I know there's some NRA purists, especially like in scouts, when I used to teach shooting sports and scouts. No, 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 no. It's a rifle. It's a firearm. It's a gun. It's not a weapon. Well, no. Weapons,
1: whatever you choose to defend or choose to defend yourself with. Definitely. I have some microphones in my studio that could be weapons. (laughs) Yeah. What are some reasons, in your opinion, that Christians would own guns? Can we... Kind of just touch on all the reasons possible.
0: Well, let's see. I I already know you you like to shoot. So you you know as well as I do that shooting sports are a blast. No pun intended. (laughs) Seriously, though, it is almost meditative when you get out on the range, especially if it's an outdoor range. When you get out on the range and if you're shooting, especially a little more distance, the focus, the breathing... You, you really have to find your center and be at peace. It, it's wonderful relaxation. Self-defense is another sort of a no-brainer reason to hold firearms.
1: Most certainly.
0: And being here in the U.S. Uh, now, I can't—you know—I can't speak for the rest of the world, but uh, being here in the U.S., I would also argue you have a civic duty, civic responsibility to be armed. That's largely foundational to the country. If you go and you read our found, the founding documents. And in my opinion, nothing's really changed you know, f- from that case. what or How could I support that biblically? I think was your second part of your question. Yes. Uh, was it the scripture that said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's,
1: and unto God that which is God's? Render unto Caesar? What is Caesar's? Yep.
0: yep. From the civic responsibility, that, that is, like I said, part of a civic responsibility here. At least in America, it's considered. I know there's some, ah, What was it down
1: in Georgia recently? You know, as in the last several years, they even passed a law. It's like, you will own. And if I'm not mistaken, there are other countries that do that as well. That they're like, you will serve in the Switzerland. Yeah. You will serve in the military. You will own a gun and you will, you know, keep other people safe when you are presented with that situation. Mm -hmm. Also throughout the Bible, they mention hunting.
0: Hunting. Yeah. That's another reason. If you, if you like to hunt, I didn't mention that for myself. I don't hunt. That was a long, that would be a whole side conversation. I would love to, I would really want someone to get me out and take me. And so I, so I can actually learn properly. I want to be an, I would want to be an ethical hunter. Yeah. Meaning I want, I want to get a good
1: clean kill. Okay. You're not into the old, the, animal is basically confined into the small portion of a uh, property and you're just basically uh, pulling the plug on him. No,
0: that's not hunting. I, I, don't, I don't even consider that kind, of, that kind of stuff hunting. And
1: you see that more and more nowadays. And I think another time we should talk about hunting because there are a lot of Christians that disagree with hunting in itself. So I think that'd be a great topic sometime.
0: I will say this. If you don't believe in hunting, If you don't believe in owning a gun, that's good. I'm fine with that. I will support your decision on that.
1: I mean, that's the whole biblical principle of license, actually. I like that. Personally, I don't look down on anyone that won't own a gun. You know, they're like, I don't want to touch that. I'm like, okay, I can respect that. I'm not going to force someone to uh, do some things that they don't want to do because I don't want to be forced. Right. Likewise, to do things I don't want to do or I don't agree with. And... People, so There are some people who have really strong opinions on it based on other circumstances that have nothing to do with the actual gun. Maybe how someone in their personal life carried out something, you know. Right. Suicide is what I'm alluding to. And, you know, there's just certain people that are just like, get that away from me. But it could be any weapon, as we stated.
0: You know, and that same principle applies. Yeah, that's not that's not just guns either. There are people who will or won't eat meat. Yes. For whatever reason, there are people who will or won't drink alcohol yes. for particular reasons. There are ladies who will or won't wear slacks or trousers, or th- there there's some that, you know, I, I've got a lot of hair on my face. There are some denominations that think you should be clean shaven. I'm going to disagree with them, but I'm going to respect their belief, you know, as, as far as the... Now, on some of those ca- some of those issues, I'll debate them vigorously if they're open for the debate. But that's a whole
1: different discussion. And I think nowadays that is a uh, a rarity. Now uh-huh. it, it seems like you must agree with me or else. You know, it comes down, and I know
0: this is a slight diversion. I know, but it'll it'll actually fold back into your topic. It connects to what I call and others have called the first rule of apologetics: an essential's unity in non-essentials, liberty, in all things charity. And I'm trying to think that might be Aquinas that that was originally attributed to. I don't know if I say that someone's going to, and I'm wrong, someone I know is going to call in and uh, correct me.
1: (laughs) Yes. The next part of the discussion I kind of wanted to get to is if we are carrying guns as Christians, are we putting our faith in that gun instead of putting our faith in God? You know what I mean is sometimes do we, are we relying on something more than we should be I
0: know some have put that argument up and they will point to the whole uh Christian perse- you know first century persecutions though if you keep in mind when you look at those persecutions you're looking at something that in a lot of ways is was a more political issue I mean, they were basically refusing to worship Caesar as God, which theologically, but it was also a political case, they were seen as subversive to the state, you know, a whole lot of other things behind that. So I don't really see that as apples to apples argument to today, but a better way of answering your question, I think, is an old, I guess, sort of a parable. I, I live out here in the St. Louis area, and, you know, we can get some pre- pretty impressive floods. Well, the floods came, the waters were rising. A uh, gentleman had to climb out of his window and get onto his roof because the water was coming up so high. And some folks in a bass boat come by and offered to give him a ride out to safety. And his answer is, no, no, it's okay. God's going to save me. And A little bit uh, later, the water continues to rise. Uh, Another boat comes by and he turns them down saying, no, God's going to save me. His house is now underwater and it's starting to go up his waist and a rescue helicopter comes by and wants to take him away to safety. And the man says, no, I'm not going to go with you. God's going to save me. Well, the water rises, and he drowns, and he finds himself before God, and he asks God, God, I've been trusting you. I've been having faith in you. Why didn't you save me in this flood? God looks at him in confusion and says, what are you talking about? I sent two boats and a helicopter to you.
1: That is excellent. God has his side, but he also tasks us to go out and do. Amen. Amen. And I think a lot of people get confused at what God's response might be. We're looking for some specific, you know, it's got to be in a, a lightning bolt or, or in a cloud or something. And, and it's not always that. It's oftentimes it's a friend that calls you right at a pivotal time where you need them or your car breaks down. And it's that nice driver that stops and says, I'll get you where you need to go.
0: Right. Your car. Do you not do maintenance on your car? Because God's going to provide for that. Do you not go to work every day? Because God will provide your food. God will provide you with the mortgage. Do you abdicate on your parenting? Because God will take care of that. Do you not go forth and bear witness? Because God's going to
1: take care of that is great and and i mean you've essentially answered the next question which was do you think that non-gun-carrying christians are being naive by not protecting themselves and others
0: that's the yes side of it but there's also if if they're doing it based on that reasoning if they have an honest moral objection to being armed and to bearing arms in those
1: cases then no i don't think they're necessarily being naive though I would say as long as they understand the consequences. Exactly. When we get to Matthew 26:52, then Jesus said unto him, "Put up again thy sword into his place; for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword." So we've over the years have distilled it down to live by the sword, die by the sword. Do you think that plays into the gun owners honestly? I don't think that has anything at all to do with gun ownership.
0: It's completely irrelevant to the matter, in my opinion. The problem with the people who try to use that passage is the taking it out of context. Now, I'm going to reread the passage in context, all right? You'll pardon me if I'm using a New American Standard. That's what I actually happen to have up. I'm going to start in verse 47. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whoever I kiss, this is the one. Seize him. Immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will Scripture be fulfilled which say that it must happen this way? At the same time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. What stands out about that
1: passage? They had clubs and weapons and, and such.
0: The, the fact that uh, Jesus is happy to tell his Decide, well, in this case, we know from other, uh, the gospels that it was Peter to put his sword away. He had a sword. There's not a question about, you know, owning, you know, and a sword is not something you hunt with. No, as you probably well know, it, it it's strictly intended as a weapon, a self defense weapon. He had a sword. Hey, this is not the time or the place. You know, Jesus's message is this isn't the time and the place for it. So you've got to take that in context.
1: That is. Phenomenal, because I think so many people right now, their eyes are going to be opened as to what that context really was. Because oftentimes, as I did uh, this time, I did on purpose is we take a verse and then we fail Mm -hmm. to read before and we fail to read after. And then we fail to verify in other scriptures because they'll always seem to reference something somewhere else. It's great. Which is why I... Yeah, that, that's why
0: I had to read so much more a- around it. Yes. Uh, that, that has always been
1: one of my pet peeves in uh, people quoting scripture. The late, great Chuck Missler used to say, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I used to love that.
0: I love that. I have never heard that
1: one before. I love that. And he would go... To an Old Testament verse, and then he would verify it with a New Testament verse or vice versa. It, it was so, it opened my eyes so much as a Christian. And, you know, just in that
0: line uh, on our topic itself, you know, as far as gun ownership and self-defense, the, the whole matter, the New Testament is pretty much silent about it, right? Right. So in, that, in, the, in the context of what of that quote you just gave, when you look at the Old Testament there is absolutely a context of self defense when you read through the pentateuch when you read through the law and i'm not just talking about the 10 commandments but the rest of the law that puts the context around it i mean actual murder you know obviously it had a death penalty but then there were, there was the law for accidental yes and an accidental death and then there was law for
1: you know defending yourself killing in self defense If it was dark out and somebody was coming to rob you and and you could defend yourself Mm -hmm. and there were rules, like you said, specific rules based around the situation, as we would kind of say legally today, you'd have manslaughter, you know, you'd have premeditated murder. You'd have all these different ways to try to figure out what was the intent behind the action. Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know. Oh, gosh, this goes straight back to what you're talking about, taking the things in full context again, too. There are people who love to pull out the Ten Commandments
1: and they misquote the meaning or intent of thou shalt not kill. Yes, that's the Sixth Commandment is always brought up as a defense as to why you shouldn't be have, handling guns because thou shalt not Kill. Except the correct translation is "Thou shalt not murder." Yes. Oh, I'm so glad to hear another Christian know that. What has happened in translations seems to be that sometimes the translators will take a word and they'll go, "Well, yeah, this is close enough," and uh, and they have just gone in that direction instead of the full breadth of the actual term. What did it really mean? And when I heard that one, I was like, "Oh, that's." you know not not that i'm going out killing anybody but i, I was right. just it was relieving to know like that you could accidentally do something or or defend yourself or or what have you do you think as a believer that we're also supernaturally protected i think spiritually we are okay physically yeah like physically that, maybe not i think we may I, th- I think at times we may i think
0: we, at times we may not bear in mind we only have a finite view of reality, of creation, of past, present, and future. God sees a picture that we cannot, and in many ways, that we cannot even comprehend. The way I like to put it is, and I've been asked this question before, we're immortal until God decides we're not.
1: I like that. Succinct. Well, Have you ever heard of an instance of a church asking members to not be gun owners? I know you mentioned that in some of
0: your preview questions. I know of churches that have asked you not to carry at church. Okay. I cannot think of a church that actually has ever asked that I know of that has said, no, you can't be a gun owner
1: if you're going to be a member of our congregation. Well, let's go down the other rabbit hole then hypothetically, if so, if a church did require that, would you respectfully decline to go to that church? I would not uh, be in fellowship with that church. Okay. And then also, if you are a person that has a concealed carry permit in, in whatever your state in America, would you relinquish that right for that one particular location to go to the church?
0: If you think back about all of the things that I've said prior, whether
1: it's the biblical example,
0: whether it's the civic duty, the who I'm rendering what to, if it's the discussion of license
1: and liberty in the biblical sense, no. I agree, because as you stated with that awesome story about the man praying for help, What if you could stop some of these crazy, heinous situations that transpire and have it transpired at churches where church members are gunned down because they're just sitting ducks? essentially, you know, I'm starting to see more churches have security and such, but not every church can afford to have security personnel in the church all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think. Sometimes we just have to be diligent and protect ourselves in the best way that we can.
0: We had a church, one of our neighborhood churches. Uh, I've attended events and things there. My son's attended Bible school there. You may have heard of First Baptist Church in Maryville. It made the national news when uh, some crazy walked in and shot and killed the pastor.
1: That is horrific. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know exactly off the top of my head what their policy necessarily is, but uh, I, I don't think they ask for people to carry. But I do know from other, you know, other churches around the country, you know, there are churches that do ask people to carry. I think it's a decision. This, this is something that's an individual decision that people or an organization needs to make for themselves.
1: And I also think that they should share that with the congregation so the congregation can make an informed decision on if they want to attend or not attend at that particular right. location.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree with you. You have a lot of liberty, but your choices and your decisions do have consequences.
1: Yes, it's it's almost like saying, you know, it's far off, but akin to saying, if I get into my vehicle, I choose not to wear a safety belt. Mm-hmm you know what, I, I don't like airbags, so I had them all removed because they can malfunction and they could hit me. So I'm having them removed they're not safe. And, then, you know, your, your decision has consequences, no matter what decision that may be.
0: And bear in mind, you know, those, those consequences can be negative if you abuse or if you judge wrong. You will find yourself, and not just with a firearm, but any of the examples, you could very well find yourself on the wrong side of the law. With your liberty taken from you behind bars for a very long time, it's the responsibility that goes with being a citizen
1: in America. Yes. To whom much is given, much is asked. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the police situations that are going on around the country. If you have more responsibility, we're holding you to a higher standard right? and such. So the same goes for gun ownership. Raul, any final thoughts on this whole topic before we wrap this up? My final thought, and I've
0: been woefully neglecting uh, my practicing, but if you do have a firearm, know how to use it. Practice. Don't assume it's a magic wand that's going to save you. If you're trying to decide whether or not to own a gun, take a prayerful approach. I love that. I mean, it's that simple. Take everything to God in prayer. All right. This is just another one. On a practical basis, go out to a range. A lot of ranges will provide a little instruction and make a firearm available to you to to uh, practice and learn to shoot with. And, and you'll you'll be you know between the between all of that, you'll be able to make an informed decision.
1: I want to piggyback on what you just said because a lot of people. Um. I, I don't want to get too specific but I've known people who have owned firearms and they keep it locked up in this little safe in this little area and then they're like well only if I need it well the the problem with that is that there are studies that say we require thousands of hours of practice to become an expert at whatever we're trying to do
0: our police officers do not have thousands of hours uh, if you know any cops you know what the officers require to maintain their training. The qualification is not that difficult. A lot of them do spend a lot of time on the range, but that's on their own
1: dime. That's horrible. That in itself could be part of our problem in America. Mm -hmm. If you are a gun owner, you got to get acclimated. You should know every aspect of your firearm. You should understand how to do everything that you need to do with it. So uh, how to clean it safely how to load it safely, how to unload it safely, how to carry it safely, because none of this will do you any good if you're not practicing safe techniques. And you can only do that mm-hmm. by actually getting it out and using it and such. So this has just been an absolutely fascinating conversation, Raul. I I, uh, I love it. I love some of the points you brought up.
0: You know, and it's a great family, you know, e- even outside of the stuff, it's a great family sport. It is. Actually, my wife is a better shot with a handgun than I am. My sons keep still trying to catch up with me on a rifle. <laughs> and this is a kid that at uh, at ten with a twenty two would get bored shooting out the bullseye, so he'd start shooting the numbers. <laughs> Bear in mind he he started learning, you know, he he got his he actually picked his own uh Nerf gun. He was four years old, I believe. <laughs> And he he actually based it on what he was able to handle, how how many rounds it held. But hey, that's when I started teaching him gun safety. That's a great idea. Finger off the trigger. Don't point it at anything you're not intending to shoot. Don't have your Nerf gun, you know, your Nerf gun's not loaded unless you're planning, you know, Cooper's rules right there. I like it.
1: And that's what we're missing in some instances is instead of teaching safety, we're teaching avoidance, right? and that doesn't always work. Well, I think we're going to leave it right there. This has been a great conversation, Raul. I can't thank you enough for joining me on this edition, and, uh, and you're definitely going to have to come back in the future, maybe talk some hunting, and then we'll talk about that and, and uh, how it fits biblically as opposed to how it fits uh, today and, and such. I would love to come back. I had a blast. Great. Where can people find you at if uh, you want to plug your shows? The show that you know, obviously you know me the most
0: from is going to be the Babylon Project Podcast. And that is a 25-year tribute to the what I consider still to be the definitive most perfect science fiction show of all time, Babylon 5. It's a show that really defined a lot of modern television, and I host that show with our common friend Jim Erwood and with JP Harvey. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Babylon Project Podcast, but we're easy to find on most of your uh, most of your common uh, venues. I believe we even you can even find us on uh, YouTube. Our producer I has posted most of our shows
1: there. Terrific.
0: And you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm there under my own name. Uh, You can also find me at theconservativelefty.com, which is where my more political side discussions are. And you can find me
1: at thechristiangeek.net. Which is geekery from a Christian worldview. (laughs) I love it. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of Candid Christian Conversations. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Did we miss something? However, I do feel like the most emails going to come in about your comment about Star Trek and sci-fi. <laughs> I do think that'll be the part that sticks in everybody's mind more so than the actual topic.
0: Well, the Christian geek does have a section on science fiction. I, ha- I have not been keeping it up as much as I've wanted to with work, but.
1: That is great. All right. So until the next time for Raul, I'm Hank. We're signing off. If you're enjoying this podcast. Be sure to subscribe in your app of choice by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash subscribe.